There was a sense of needing to shake things up. So that's what we literally physically did. One of the challenges as a couple is convincing investors that couples make good founders. Got married and then we had the family before we then joined together in the company. I think that's really helped us. We do go home and think about work all the time. The secret of working together as a couple is that you just can be honest to each other. Fun, work, pleasure, life. We just throw it all in one big pot. I'm Trisha Bacon and I am very excited to be sharing our second series of Between the Spreadsheets, a selection of conversations with inspirational couples who combine love and work to run a business together. I'm the founder of Couplepreneurs, a growing global community of couples who live together and run a business together. And with millions of couplepreneurs across the globe, we know this is definitely a thing. It's also been really insightful, heartwarming and inspiring to be able to spend time with the couples and to have an opportunity to share their stories. Busting open the myths that exist around couples in business and finding out what it's really like to be a couplepreneur and just how they juggle and integrate work, life, love and everything in between. And we thought we had somewhere to live. That fell through, and we thought we were going to be able to work in a certain way. And that wasn't coming up against barriers, you know. Just bumping, 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 and and finally we said, okay, we're not doing that. You know, there is just too much pushback. What should we do now? And and that was when you said, you know what? Let's just fully take a break. Let's just step out completely and and see what occurs. In this episode, we spend time with Gillian Lavender and Michael Miller who run the London Meditation Centre and the New York Meditation Centre. As Gillian and Michael take us through their journey from their corporate lives and the changes that took place, we're fortunate to be able to hear much more about the benefits that Vedic meditation practice is bringing to the increasing number of people that they are seeing who are in search of some way to cope with the world as it is at the moment. We hear how meditation is so fundamental to who they are and also what they do. But they also tell us it wasn't always like this, and how when they set out, it actually felt a little bit like stepping into the unknown, and how having one another to go through the journey with has made things just so much easier. So we talk about mental strength, personal fulfilment, sleep, complementary skill sets, and much more. A big welcome to Gillian and Michael to Between the Spreadsheets, and I kick off by asking them more about what they do. We are full-time teachers of a technique called Vedic meditation, and we teach in London and in New York. Our base is in London. We live here, and then we go to New York regularly. We teach people from all walks of life how to settle down, close their eyes, and rest their mind and their body very, very deeply and release stress and tension and that means that they sleep better and they feel better and they're younger and all the benefits that come from that. So it's quite a process in terms of finding people that are interested in this knowledge and we're finding that people are very interested in this knowledge in this very busy, stressed world that we live in. And then they come along and they take a course with us and they have a tool for the rest of their life and they do it every day mm. and it has huge impact in their life. And, and I think if ever there was a, a time for talking about mental health and meditation, it feels like you know, it is now and we're sitting here and it's February you know, 2020. Tell us when you set up the business. Michael, when was the business actually set up? We started operating as, I guess, Gillian, you've been teaching here mm-hmm. in London since 2003, but mm-hmm. we started as London Meditation Center in 2008. We've been full-time since then. Definitely there's been uh, an uptick recently. You, you hate to say that economic near collapse, political instability, and general social anxiety is good for business. However, (laughs) it it does seem to be so that people are on the search for some way to cope with the world as as it is at the moment, which ever increasing change and and change for many people generates uncertainty and and fear and anxiety Mm. and irritation and all of those things that they don't want to be 
experiencing when they're at work or when they're at home with their loved ones or taking care of their child. And so there's, there's no shortage of stressed out people who are interested in learning to meditate for mm. sure. And when you say you've seen a recent increase, what would you, how would you define recent? Well, certainly, certainly in the last year and a half, two years there, there seems to have been, and I I think that's, that's twofold. It is the world and, and the demands that have come about in politically, you know, in, in the UK with Brexit and in the US with Trump, these are big changes that happened to the social fabric that people are navigating and looking for tools to help them navigate and also the the general culture when it comes to meditation probably over a slightly longer timeline maybe over the last 5 6 years has really changed that it's in the culture in a way it's it's more available certainly 10 years ago we spent a good amount of time explaining to people why meditation was not weird why it was good for them and now people have a sense of that it doesn't seem as as odd there's a generalized knowledge that, oh, this must be good for me. Generally, it's why do they want to learn this meditation and, and, mm. and why from, say, the two of us? Mm. I think there's also been the impact of mindfulness, that whole kind of mindfulness wave that has made it more, which is not what we teach, but it's, you know, it's made that whole thing of relaxation and settling down more accessible perhaps and also technology because now you can get an app and you can uh, you know use that app in order to help you get to sleep supposedly or you know bring about some sort of meditation like experience Mm -hmm. and that has exploded Um, and so I think there's a number of factors that are kind of coming together, just making it more out there in in the collective. Okay. Gosh, I'm already feeling a sense of calm. And also, I've, I've done your course, so I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of some... Not all the audience, but some of the audience. So and what is interesting as well, that as a couplepreneur, this is... We were just saying before we uh, started the podcast that this is the first time that the two of you have ever... Actually, you've done lots of podcasts, but it's the first time you've ever sort of sat and done this together. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's kind of touching on one of the myths that, you know, people sit next to each other and are sort of, you know, tied <laughs> tied at the hip. And um, because people sometimes sort of talk to me and, and get really uh, slightly anxious sometimes and raise their voices and say, there's no way that I could work with my partner. And uh, why would anybody do that? <laughs> this is quite nice to actually um, be in the same yeah. room for an hour. <laughs> well, it, well, exactly, exactly. Because you're both teachers, you're both teaching kind of separately on courses and you have London and New York to manage. You have your daughter, Loie, you have a life, you know, mm. that you're, 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 you're integrating it all and, and having to manage it all. And so... That's um, certainly not a nine to five gig. It's know, not a nine to five gig. Yeah. yeah. And thank goodness I'm meditating. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just jump right to that, Michael, because you know, and we'll come back to what you were doing, you know, before your journey into meditation. But how has the increase in people searching for the rest and the relaxation and the calming of the mind and all the benefits that meditation provides? in the world that we're living in now, um, where I think we're becoming kind of human doings as opposed to human beings. How are you both coping with that? As the the volume of work goes up, that has to be dealt with. Mm. And, uh, you know, we have a, a great team that works together. We work together really well. We both come out of a business and a marketing background and and so i th- i think our experience of it has been good because we we were used to in our former lives working hard and being focused and staying on top of things it's not like you know i really wish i was surfing every afternoon instead of working because i mm. love the actual work as well as the content of what we deliver and and you know there's that that saying, do what you love and you never work again, mm-hmm. which I don't quite agree with. You know, there are times when it is work and there are things that have to be done that wouldn't be my first choice for how to spend 10 o'clock on a Friday evening. And it's doing those things really well 
that distinguish you from other businesses where, you know, all those things are required. And if you can do the things that you don't like that much really well, then the stuff that you do like becomes just a holiday. You know, the, the actual teaching, that's just so enjoyable. That's, that's Jillian had a very big course this weekend. You were teaching all weekend and that mm. is just a great pleasure. Yeah. It's kind of energizing and fulfilling and, you know, it it motivates us in being able to kind of counterbalance all of the stuff that we have to do and to see that transition and that transformation that people are going through really quickly. And so that's a really powerful counterbalance to all the other stuff that's behind the scenes, which can sometimes be, you know, lots of emails or getting the VAT done or whatever it is, you know, there's, there's all those aspects because it's a business, you mm-hmm. know, we're, we're working on all of the aspects and, you know, when it is your own thing, you are doing, you're wearing a lot of hats, you know, and that's the nature of that kind of a, a setup. The fact that what we do is so personally fulfilling because of the effect that it's having on other people and the impact that it has, that's a huge motivator. And, it, you know, it's why we left our big corporate jobs to do what we do. You know, mm. I am so motivated to work hard on this because it's having an impact in a way that in my old days of working in a big global publishing company, you know, there were elements of that which were incredibly satisfying. But at the end of the day what it was that we were churning out wasn't the thing that was really motivating me at that deep level of, yeah, this is making a difference. This is something I really feel passionate about. This is something that I, you know, I want to throw everything at. And because you're both teaching, but you're saying that you work very well together, are there, and and looking, I suppose, at your backgrounds, are there particular kind of either complementary skill sets that you have, you know, what are those? And, and, and whilst you're both teaching, are there particular skills that you're both bringing within teaching and outside of that to kind of build this business in London, New York? Jillian is smiling. I'm Jillian's smiling laughing. Anybody that knows me um, will know that technology and IT are not my strong points. So this is the IT director. Okay. Um, Hello, IT director. Certainly yes. one of the hats that I'm doing. How can I not, help? There's a very wear. certain tone when the phone rings, <laughs> and I know that that I that I have to put my IT hat on. <laughs> I am just a little bit nerdy when it comes to that stuff, and and so I, Thank God. you know, I I enjoy, and you know, it has facilitated our business in a certain way that we have a database customer relationship management system that allows us to stay in contact with students and support them. And, you know, that's, it's really, those tools are a way for us to do our job better. And for us, our job is to support people in their development. And to teach more people. And yeah, and to get more, get their friends Meditating. You know, we always say the best way to remove stress from your life is to learn to meditate. And the second best way is to get your family meditating. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and so making that available to our students. You know, what can we do for you and what can we do for the people around you? Because we're going to make all of those people sweeter. And so technology fell into my camp. I think, Jillian, you really do a lot of the, the writing. And that's a big part of our support for our students that we have a a program that goes for more than a year now that they're getting emails with reminders and tips and techniques. And that is something that you've really taken on as your, I think historically in your career, you, you've been a writer and, and that has developed as an Mm. aspect of, of our work that has been really important. And and just tell us, um, you alluded to this in your publishing career um, before Mm -hmm. coming into meditation, Julian, which is clearly very different. Um, So just just tell us what you were both doing before and and how it was that you you came to meet each other. My background is in marketing and, and leading 
companies. So I was leading a, an international publishing company and I had been based in Sydney and then in Paris and then in, in London. And so I had done that for many years and spent my life on a plane and managed big teams um, mm -hmm. across cultures and decided that I, you know, I just wanted a change and I, I've been sort of putting my heart and soul into that and not feeling that level of the motivation had sort of been going down and took some time out and, and that's when I went and trained to become a teacher of this technique. I um, met up with uh, my meditation teacher and we have the same meditation teacher who lives okay. in the States. So this was all before I had met Michael. I trained as a teacher, came back to London started teaching and I was building that up organically as I was doing some consulting with my old publishing hat on mm -hmm. in the city. And then in that time, we met through meditation. And yeah. Michael was living in LA. We met in India, in Rishikesh. I was based here in London. We had the same teacher. You then moved here mm. um, to London. And when, when was this, Julia? Uh 2005. 2005. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was um, way through my teacher training when when we yeah. I'd really just begun on that journey, which tends to take two to three years of, mm -hmm. of training to be a mm -hmm. teacher. And and so Jillian and I had met, and then I came over here. You were still working your job in the in the city, yeah. And, and I started to put my marketing communications hat to what had been a, a bit of a side business in the sense that the, you know, the, although that was something you were very focused on getting that up and, and going in the early 2000s took a different kind of effort back then. So, you know, getting a good meditation website, you know, in 2006 was a big deal. Mm. You know, you couldn't just toss it up the way you do now. It took designers and coders and all of that and to make it look in a way that was appealing and not off-putting you know mm -hmm. not lots of beads and shaven heads and mm -hmm. things that were were not appealing to people at that time at all you know that got us up and going I had come out of a uh, most recently a publishing background as well I was working for a, in for entertainment publishing in LA um, and I had been in that music theater film world and had ended up working at a trade publication and then yes and then we met in in india and it seemed like a good time to to make an escape from america for a little bit if you think back i suppose when you're in your previous careers could you have ever imagined that you would you know meet and meet a partner that you'd end up kind of becoming a you no. know setting up a business with and becoming a couplepreneur Gillian no. shaking her head. <laughs> no, because I had been so much on this kind of corporate sort of trajectory. You know, I didn't, you know, I, there I am running an international publishing company and next minute I'm trained to be a teacher of meditation and it's like it was, it was quite a change in, you know, direction. Um, and so it was a very interesting process to kind of step off, you know, off yeah. that path and not really know where the other one was going. And also at a time when this whole marketplace, as we were saying earlier, around mm. mental health and meditation and even yoga was really very, very new in the Western, certainly in the UK. Yeah. It had a bit more developed in the States. So it was a real step into the unknown um, mm. in so many different ways, you know. I, and personally, you know, it's... Um, I had been used to, you know, the paycheck every month and the stability that comes from working in an organization and being in a certain position and having a certain status and title and all of those responsibilities. And then you step into a very different situation. And so there were lots of aspects of uh, newness about the whole whole thing. You were saying, Julian, that you were kind of ahead in terms of your training. Yeah. So how, tell us about how you you know, came together in terms of starting the business? Well, I had been trading under my name and I had, we had lavender meditation and I had just sort of been doing that on the side. I was working in the city four days a week, 
And then the okay. rest of the time was, you know, devoted to building it up, the meditation. And then we decided uh, we wanted to really make this more um, concrete and, and more substantial. And that's when we came up with London Meditation Centre and New York Meditation Centre. I had been doing some work in New York with the publishing stuff, and so I had been starting to organically build that up. And, and it just... It was a good fit, you know. Um, we already had some people, some students, and I think that was a moment of getting that website, London Meditation Centre, up, and it not being ooby gooby and mm. brown rice and sandals, and you know, it was actually a really important storefront for us around what it was that we were doing at a time when people were still not clear as clear about meditation and they're still not in many mm. ways so it was then it was like right we're going for it you know <laughs> we're gonna and I just said right I'm I'm gonna step away from all the other stuff this is what we're gonna do and and we were able to do that together and and that made it so much easier I think you know that it, we had each other to do that Okay, that's interesting. Mm. So tell me more about that, having each other. What did that really mean on well, it's a day-to-day weird, day basis? It's a weird job. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a strange or unusual thing that we do. And you're different than most people that you encounter. I remember going to a <laughs> going to a dinner party and you know, sitting in the lounge beforehand and the person next to me sort of did that thing that happens where they spent 24 <laughs> minutes telling me about their entire life. <laughs> and then and then she said, oh, and, and what is it that you do? And I said, oh, I, I teach meditation. And she looked at me and, she, and then she said, I'm going to get more wine and stood up and walked <laughs> out of the room. <laughs> you know, like, just had no idea how to respond to that, Gosh. and and th- that was when, oh, that ten years ago, maybe. But now, if you, if you, if now you there would still now. be some people like okay. that. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, for some people, that it's, yeah, it's it's still yeah. very yeah. foreign and just something your strange Uncle Bill, who lives in a Volkswagen <laughs> bus, would do. And and for the, the, for the fact for the, that for, we... for the record, Michael Miller is very normal looking. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know he's a meditation teacher. Exactly. Gillian's looking cool too. <laughs> So, you know, to to have a a shared experience of what it is that that we do and understanding of what it is that we spend our lives mm. talking about. It would be an odd thing if, you know, I were an accountant and didn't understand in any way what it was that you were doing and and, you know, could be supportive in a loving way but maybe not in an intellectual actual support kind of way. It's just great to be able to go, whew, okay, what are we talking about here? What do we do? How does this whole life integration work? Because, you know, I think this whole life-work balance, I think is, I don't really believe in it. I don't live it. Um, and, and and also lots of couple preneurs have said to me that some of their, particularly some of their friends and family, or just other people have said, you really must put rules in and you really must you know sort of come 9 p.m you must stop talking about the business or you must make time for yourself but but there is this thing about you know whether you're an entrepreneur a co-founder a couplepreneur or whatever job you have today you know there is so much coming at us um we're so distracted but I think managing it all is challenging and you have your daughter Loie who Mm -hmm. is six Six and a half. Six and a half, yeah. Plus, you know, the world the world of meditation, you know, there's only the two of you running this business. You obviously have, you know, Emma and other people supporting, but it's you two who are teaching all of these people. I suppose how do you integrate it all and and actually before you answer that, I'm gonna ask you a question which is if you had to rate your mental health at the moment out of ten, what would it be? Yeah, I mean it's it's Nine ten. I mean, it's it's good, and yeah, and I think very, yeah. Okay. I, I think that it's interesting that I get what you say about not not buying into balance mm. because often when people talk about balance, they're talking about setting these kind of rigid rules around how it is and what time and when all all of this thing and balance is inherently dynamic you know to be balanced on a bicycle if you stay perfectly upright Mm. that's actually not balance it's 
constantly shifting and moving and being affected by the outside. So if the wind starts blowing from your left, you're going to have to lean into that just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if you looked at that bicyclist in a vacuum, they're leaning over the left, they're out of balance, right? But actually that's what they have to do in order to remain upright. If they go around a tight curve, they really lean into it Mm -hmm. in order to, and that's appropriate, correct, dynamic balance. So what is it that's going on for you and your business? And do you have that adaptability and that flexibility? And can you let go when you want to? And I think that's where people start to get off, that they get caught up and they don't feel like they can let go. And over the summer, we went to the States for a friend's uh, 50th and, you know, took a few days and didn't race around. We just parked by a pool for a couple of days because that's what our daughter wanted. And then we went to this very strange and wonderful birthday party and really didn't think too much about what else was happening. We could let it go. And I, and I attribute that certainly to our practice of, of meditation, mm-hmm. also to a uh, intention behind that. And then we get back and we're full of good ideas about what we want to do next. And we take a few days like that and we're not in the churn of being in the day-to-day decision-making and tasks. And then we always come back and Jillian has great ideas for what we do next. And I just say, yes. (laughs) Okay, let's do that. Is your idea great? Done. And I think having, you know, having a daughter has meant that, you know, there's a whole other dimension to our life that, you know, wasn't there before that. And that is a very much a, a moment of present moment awareness when you've got a little one, you know, you, mm-hmm. you've got to be there and on it. And that's been a, an interesting counterbalance for us because we were, you know, it's very immersive what we do. You know, we're mm-hmm. not, as I said before, it's not nine to five. We work on weekends. We work on evenings. Mm-hmm. It's There's a lot going on. I walk out the door the other day and I bump into a student, you know, you're, you're always sort of, you're always on. Um, I think, you know, it would not be a great look for us if we were stressed out and mm. not mentally uh, well mm. as doing what we do. And and I think that the the reality is a big part of how we live the way we do comes down to the actual technique that we teach, Mm. you know, and and that's so fundamental to who we are and what we do and allows us to kind of, you know, um, walk the talk in Mm. that way because that technique is giving us the rest and it is allowing for stress to be dissolved. and, And so that there's no getting around that. That is a huge factor for us but I think there's also you know I remember before we had a child you know we we were able to it was interesting you know our business was growing it was really taking off and we had this decision that we needed to step back for a bit and have some time out and evaluate what we're doing. And we put everything in storage and we took off for six months and we traveled around India. And from the outside, you would say, what are they doing? You know, Mm. this is a crazy time to be them, you know, stepping away from this. That actually, when we did that and we sort of shifted gears we came back and everything just took off you know and I I think that ability to be able to walk away from it was Mm. actually very interesting given that it was a whole life and and when was that Julian so that was in 2011 uh, 2011 2011. Mm -hmm. and 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 what was the was there a seminal moment where you said what what was going on for you where because you're three years into kind of really or, or three to five years into, mm-hmm. you set up the business yeah. in 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're three yeah. years into the business. Yeah. So what what was it that happened? I think it was, I, I, I don't know, it's hard to put my finger on it. I, for me, it was a sense of, 
it was getting a bit comfortable, you know. It was sort of we were chugging along and it was growing and it was all going in the the right direction, but there was a sense of needing to shake things up a bit. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, you know, stepping out of the known mm-hmm. is an incredibly powerful thing to do when you want to get a much, much bigger perspective mm-hmm. on what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that's what we literally physically did. We stepped out of the known and and out of that came a whole lot of new ideas and a whole lot of sort of energy and yeah. and it, it did go up a number of gears as a result of that. With a desired outcome or just with exploration? It was very interesting. I mean it was definitely initiated by by you. <laughs> and and actually what happened was we had the original idea was because we were living in London and teaching yeah. here most of the time and then going to New York every six or eight weeks and teaching there. And we thought, well, let's flip the model. Let's flip it around. We'll make New York home base and we'll come back. London is stable enough. We'll be able to come back and teach when when that works. And it wasn't an easy journey that we had an idea of how it was going to work and 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 there was a lot of friction and we thought we had somewhere to live and that didn't that fell through and we thought we were going to be able to work in a certain way and that wasn't coming up against barriers you know just Mm -hmm. bumping 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 and and finally we said okay we're not doing that you know Mm -hmm. there is just too much pushback Mm -hmm. clearly this is not what's meant to to happen What should we do now? And and that was when you said, you know what, let's just fully take a break. Let's just step out completely mm-hmm. and and see what occurs. And, you know, again, we had an idea of let's sublet our place. You know, then we'll have a nice easy spot to move back into. And the landlord said, no, you can't do that. And we mm-hmm. said, okay, and packed it all up. Now, interestingly, mm-hmm. a month after we moved out, of this place where we lived and also taught from at that time, the place next door was was bought and they started digging a double basement and that terraced building dropped and the building we were living in leaned into it and it was suddenly a year and a half of jackhammers and pounding and there's no way we could have done our business in that place. We would have been forced to change so and you and you couldn't move back in when you came back. No, anyway. no, that was it was all it was yeah, all gone. Yeah, it's all gone. Yeah, yeah, Gosh. and so sort of in a certain way, nature organized yeah. exactly what yeah. needed to happen in a smoother way than it would have yeah, been. Yeah. And then when we came back, mm. it changed, and then yeah. we started working from a proper teaching space, yeah, okay. and that's when you know things really took quite a leap, and mm. everything went up in, in all sorts of ways and, and it, it, that was part of that shake-up and part of that step change. That phase that we had been going through was no longer relevant. It wasn't serving us and it was would have held us back. We wouldn't be teaching at the level that we are now had we continued on. And, and I think one of the things that we have found really powerful in, in those as we go on that journey is to be able to let go of something and shake it up. And because we know that out of that shake-up, there's some step change and there's some new opportunity. That's a big part of us being more, you know, when when we're not anchored in fear and stress Mm -hmm. and tension, then it seems to be that we have a greater capacity to step into the unknown Mm -hmm. and... And, and be flexible and handle change differently. I think what we witness in the world today is that change can be a very scary thing mm-hmm. for people and they're holding on to the status quo mm-hmm. as a way of kind of staying in control and having some semblance of stability when actually for us it's kind of the opposite, you mm-hmm. know. That's something mm-hmm. to pay attention to, you know. Yeah. So... What we teach can be isolated in, okay, come along, learn to meditate. You're going to learn this really powerful, life-changing tool over the course of four days, two hours each day, da-di-da, off you go. The reality of what we're doing and the impact that it's having is that it 
it has a broader reach, a broader impact on us as individuals and on our students. Mm. They start to eat differently, you know, they start to think, you know, they start to experience things differently because they aren't as stressed and tired. And so it changes their the way that they're living their life. And mm. so it has a broader dimension to it. So tell us tell us a little bit more about about those benefits and how the whole course works and the community that you've built. Mm. So you you do the course over those four days, just two hours each day. And then at the end of those four sessions, you have the technique. You know how to meditate. You're quite expert in that. Mm. You know how it is that you're going to fit it into your life. And you're off and, and running. And people have be- begun a journey. And we don't just drop them then by the side of the road and say, good luck with that journey. We we stay in contact. And we have a, a few specific touch points. When yes. you finish the course, you get a weekly email with tips and reminders, sometimes a little video of of one or the both of us. It anticipates the questions and guides you along the way. We also have these group meditations that we offer twice a month. So anyone who has done the course with us has unlimited access to these for as long, as often as they wish. They can come along and sit for an hour and a half and have a conversation about how's meditation going and hear the questions that other people are asking. I think last night you had 70 or 80 people in the room. We've also... In attempting to harness technology, we broadcast these as a as a webinar now. We've got students everywhere. Yeah. I, I kind of resisted it, despite being the technology guy. Yeah. I was like, nobody wants to sit in front of their laptop and you know watch this mug talk away. <laughs> For and people, they say it's just like being in the room. It's just so amazing, and to have that group meditation effect. And as you say, you start to recognize people, and friendships get made a community has developed over the years we have three couples who met and have babies now really gosh <laughs> <Vedic> dating <laughs> it could be a sideline there so, are retreats and workshops and yeah. you know there's stuff that people can dip into as and when they want to on yeah. that journey you know? and it's very individual yeah. I, I remember you you teaching uh someone who he was a partner at a big city law firm, and he came to us right after the crash in 08, and migraines, and you know, all of his clients were teetering on the edge, and you know, he had a family and young children, and it was all very full on. And he came along and, and did a, a private course, and came back once or twice to kind of check in on a one-to-one basis, and then just disappeared. And the kind of person that you would, at the time, I looked at and I thought, well, I don't know if if you are if you actually got this, mm. you got the potential of it. He showed up and he did as he was asked. But if anyone was going to stop meditating, this person had all the excuses mm-hmm. to. And we kind of didn't hear from him for how long? Five or six oh, yeah. years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then out of the blue, he emailed and said, I've been meditating twice a day, every day. It's completely changed my life. What do I do next? Oh, and I want my kids to learn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's okay. right. Okay. And, and so, you know, sometimes people from the very beginning, they want to plug in and they, and they, they come to those group sessions. There are a few people who've been coming twice a month for years. They yeah. just love it. Other people are off and they're doing it and they get in contact when it's necessary yes. and feels appropriate yeah. for them. And, you know, you're not joining some funny thing. And some people engage at mm. different levels mm-hmm. and exactly as they should yeah. in in the moment. Mm. Mm. And it's it's clearly kind of changed your lives hasn't it from from where you were let's say 20 years ago <laughs> oh, to, yeah. Oh, yeah, to where you are now I was, in my first year of meditating before I had considered becoming a teacher someone asked me well you know did things change after you learned to meditate and I said I said my life was cleft into before after you know it was really? just that clearly different 
from that, not, not in the moment, you know, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, sort of explosion inside the head. It was, but there was clearly life before and then life after it was a, it was a turning point. And what are some of the things that you're happy to share with us that, that changed? I, I, you know, I was, I was in LA and I was working in a corporate world and I was very driven and, and very, uh, excited about being on a certain path and a certain Mm -hmm. ladder, which if, if one had known me over the years, that might not have made sense. You know, that you wouldn't have looked at me in my early twenties and thought, oh, he'll be an exec in LA. Like that's just not, it actually wasn't who I was. I was, I was having a good time, but just having a good time has a limited lifespan. Mm -hmm. And I think that transition, that recognition that that wasn't the trajectory of my life that got clear to me quite quickly Mm. within a year it was clear to me that the job that I was in was either going to I was going to end it or it was going to be ended for me Mm -hmm. and I took a leap with exiting from that in a way that was more graceful than it could have been if I had left it much longer Mm. Mm. amazing and for you Jillian I think I would have, um, I mean, when I learned to meditate, I was tired. I was traveling a lot. So I was dealing a lot with the effect of long haul travel every couple of weeks. And Sydney's a long way from everywhere. So that was having an effect on my health. I was constantly getting sick. You know, I wasn't feeling great. And I was anxious. You know, I was feeling overwhelmed, I think, probably the fear thing. You know, I had a lot on my plate. And I was doing kind of some of the classic things to deal with that, you know, exercising a lot. I was drinking too much. I was, um, this is before meditation. You know, I was in a lifestyle and it was all, you know, fun in in certain ways, but it had unsustainability written all over it. Mm. I think, you know, had I continued down that path, I could have been, you know, quite unhappy and unwell. It was significant and it was gradual. If I look back on it now, I obviously didn't know the impact that it was going to have. And I became very dependent on meditation as I am now. You know, Mm -hmm. there are the good dependencies and there are the not-so-good dependencies. Everybody is dependent on Mm -hmm. something. I'm dependent on water and fresh Mm -hmm. air and good food and good rest. And as a meditator, I know how to get very, very good, efficient, deep, deep rest, deeper than sleep, Mm -hmm. in 20 minutes. And I became very quickly dependent on that as I am to this day, you know. Um, now, there are the not-so-good dependencies, which I have experienced as well, you know. And uh, so meditation for me has definitely, you know, it's in the good dependency uh, category. And that has been the catalyst for, you know, lots of positive mm-hmm. change. It, it definitely have sort of, had I kept going down that path, I'm not sure it would have... Uh, I would have felt very well Mm. and it wouldn't have been good for other people around me. Yeah, okay, well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, And you touched on sleep then. Sleep Mm. is a, sleep is, I think it's an epidemic of people not being able to sleep at the moment and uh, with everything else again that's going on. So how does the meditation help the sleep? When we had our daughter, you you hear so much in parenthood about, oh, trying to get him to sleep and how do you get your baby to sleep? And and I kind of thought to myself, what's the problem? Like, just don't let them nap and then they'll be tired <laughs> and they'll go to sleep. Like, why give them a big nap if they're not sleeping? Keep them up then they'll be tired. And, and any parent knows it's the opposite. Mm. If your child has a good nap, they actually sleep better that night mm-hmm. because their system is more settled that they, that little physiology gets stressed and they're less likely to sleep. And we call it tired, but wired. Mm. And it's the same with adults. 
rest begets rest. And if you do a late afternoon, early evening meditation, the rest of your evening is much nicer because anything you do after meditation, you do better. You're calmer and clearer and more focused and more compassionate and happier. And that makes for a nicer evening. You're less likely to get stressed. You have cleared out the agitation, stress, neurochemistry in the system. Mm. So when you lie down in the evening, meditators find they, they drop off more easily and the sleep that they get is more settled and more restful. So lots of meditators find themselves sleeping a bit less, fewer hours, but feeling more rest. It was certainly for me, mm. within a couple of weeks, I was sleeping an hour less than I had been before. Gosh, okay. But feeling better, mm. you know, getting through the afternoon without, you know, a triple chocolate brownie, mm. which, you know, was a really nice experience to wake up feeling rested instead mm. of waking up feeling exhausted. Like, I shouldn't feel this way, mm. but I still do. And, and that's something very much that people find. And what time are you doing this in the morning? What time are you meditating in the morning? Are you, do you get up really early? What's your morning routine? Yeah, pretty early. 5.30, 6 o'clock. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for me as a mum, and I, you know, I took that first year off and, you know, it was always when baby rests, mum rests mm. kind of thing. So I would be a bit more opportunistic, but obviously now we're in to routine. I would, I get up and do it before she wakes up and what we recommend is that you know you're meditating for 20 minutes twice a day mm -hmm. you meditate in the morning before your day gets going so you start the day in good shape you know you're balanced you've got that energy you've got that clarity and then late afternoon early evening you would do your second meditation but the great thing is you can do that you know, on a train or like many of our students are, who are very busy, who have got their own businesses or who are working, mm -hmm. you know, um, and they can do it on their commute or they, you know, so many of our students are doing their meditation on the train or you can do it on the plane, you can do it on the bus, you can do it, mm -hmm. you know, anywhere that you can sit down and close the eyes. So it's not something that you have to sort of withdraw from life and be out of action for a long period of time each day you can integrate it into really busy lives where you're moving about and that's the kind of thing that we need you know because we are busy and we are moving about and there's a lot of demands on our time and if it wasn't like that if it wasn't practical then people wouldn't be able to pull it off you know yeah. and that's always been a big thing for us you know is this grounded in a real practical accessible tool mm. that is available for everybody and that certainly you know works for us because we are working all sorts of hours and we are moving around and it needs to be flexible like that mm. and so you know by the time you leave here it's like it's coming up to I think 4 30 now but yeah so am I right in saying on the on the train home you will be meditating yeah you know, as will I so as, as yeah. long as we can get a seat as as yeah. that's going to be yeah. that's going to so, be the moment yeah, yeah, yeah that'll be the moment yeah. and then if not we'll trade out when we get home yeah and the good thing is you know our daughter has witnessed this yes. her whole life and so yesterday she and I got home and I said okay I'm going to meditate, you do your reading. And I sat down for 20 minutes and she sat down for 20 minutes and she was fine looking at some books and doing her thing. And, you know, she knows what's happening. She gets it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm better afterwards. Mm -hmm. you know, I, yeah. We continue to say each other, to each other, how does anyone parent without meditation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How would you get through this? Yeah, yeah. So what does the future hold for the London New York <laughs> Meditation Center? <laughs> Are you packing up anytime soon? <laughs> we shall see. There's a lot of teaching going on at the moment, and that's really good fun. And and we love seeing that growth and seeing the the excitement in students who who come along and you know sit in a room with 70 or 80 people and all meditate together and there there's a feeling about we're really a part of something something is happening mm -hmm. here and and the kind of thing we want to be happening in the world and then we always have 
other things we're doing. I'm taking a big group of people to India in October. You should come. Why don't you come? I'd love to. All right, done. (laughs) (laughs) You can still sell. You know, that's a remarkable thing, to go back to the source of this knowledge, where it came from, and, you know, sit on the banks of the Ganges and meditate where people have been doing this technique for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And there's something so deep and so resonant about that. And so we so we love having those experiences and taking people away, even coming to Somerset or to the Hudson Valley outside of New York and, mm-hmm. and taking a long weekend. You know, we're we're looking to do more of of these further development yeah, yeah. courses be because mm. it's it's one thing to teach someone to meditate and then it's another to facilitate them really using that tool in the very best way to create transformation for themselves and for everyone they're in contact with. That's the impact that meditation has. It's not just the people who learn, but it's that wave that goes out from every meditator. A teacher affects the students. Mm-hmm. You know, Someone learns, and you're not meditating just for yourself. You're meditating for everyone you come in contact with. Everybody benefits from that. And if you can be putting that state of consciousness that you are developing into play, putting the rubber to the road in the very best way, then that increases the the impact. Mm. And I think there's some work, you know, in how we can get the message out to more people. Mm. How can we do that? So there's some writing and there's some different projects like that that allows us because it... You know, we can be in the room and, and we can affect a certain number of people. We, With the technique that we teach, it's not something that you can learn online. You have to be with us. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a face-to-face. So there's a, there's a certain scalability around that. Yes. But there's, for us, it's absolutely important that we don't cut corners and yeah. we stay true to this the purity of this because that's mm-hmm. when it works. And if you start diluting it, which mm-hmm. is very easy to do, you know, um, then you lose something very yeah. powerful. Yeah. So we're not we're not going to go down that that track. It's going to keep growing. That's the sense, mm. you know. You know, you used to have to get to India and take the train for eight hours, and then hike for another three or four days. And then, if the teacher were there and they accepted you as a student, and you spoke enough Sanskrit and enough Hindi that you could get through, then maybe they would agree to teach you. And it's different now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you still might have more, to get yourself uh, yeah. to London yeah, or to New York. It's slightly more accessible. It's yeah. a little it's, more accessible. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> it is indeed different now. And it's been so interesting to hear more about Gillian and Michael's journey. And also to really have an opportunity to delve into more on Vedic meditation and its positive impact. It's really fascinating. And a huge thanks to them for their time and such openness. And what a great couplepreneur, I think, to finish our series with. We really hope that you've enjoyed listening to our couplepreneurs from different industries, at stages of different growth, all around the world, and actually very different ages as well. And it's been so open, very raw, engaging and inspiring. And for now, we wish them all continued great success And we look forward to sharing more stories with you very soon.